greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Welcome back to Winds of Change. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Keith McKenzie. This is part four of four in our introduction into Bible prophecy. This is a 101 series. We will be following up this with a series called What's on the Table. What's on the Table will cover uh, topics such as the Battle of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38 and 39. We'll discuss Psalm 83. We'll discuss uh, the Islamic uh, factors within Scripture. So we hope that you'll enjoy that series and everything that's left on the table. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Prophecy Train. We're still in the middle of our uh, Prophecy 101 series. Uh, Ed can't be here with us again this morning here at this uh, taping. So we're just going to start out in prayer, and we hope that you'll enjoy this show. Father, we just thank you for this time, Lord, to just uh, be able to you know, still preach your word in this country, Lord. We just thank you for the opportunities that we've been given, the open door that we have. Father, we just ask that you bless this time in this study, and we ask, Lord, that you might give them eyes and ears that they might both see and hear what the Spirit has to say to us today through your word, in Jesus' name. All right, let's get right into it. Um, the last couple of shows, uh, we've been going through pretty much the who, what, where, when, why of Bible prophecy. Why do we even bother um, teaching or uh, reading uh, about Bible prophecy? Uh, fact is, is you know, by conservative estimates, up to 30% of uh, the Bible that we have, and if you're a Christian and you read it and you really don't have a proper understanding of uh, what place uh, Bible prophecy has, um, the Bible actually says that Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So what we want to do is just kind of immerse some of the newer people into a, a baseline understanding of the overall view of uh, prophecy. And if you've missed some of the last uh, few episodes and stuff, uh, if you get in touch with us through our website, we'll be able to make uh, available uh, the entire uh, series. And very shortly, we're excited to announce that we're going to be uh, having uh, shows will be posted uh, over the website. So if you've missed an episode or something like that, or you want a, uh, a teaching, a favorite teaching of Ed's, uh, Ed just completed a uh, complete series on globalism. It was about six episodes in that. It was very informative. So if you have an interest in that, you just get in touch with us. And uh, very shortly, you should be able to get a lot of this stuff over the internet. So we invite you to go ahead and look at uh, us up on the web. But let's go ahead and, and, and get into the, the study that we have today. Um, 
we kind of wrapped up last week about the two briefings that, that the Lord gave himself and the apostles themselves. And if you're a disciple of the Lord or you're inquiring, the Lord gave signs uh, for his, his coming. And there was two different briefings. There was one at the temple where he talked about the destruction of the temple. And then there was a second briefing where only a couple, a few of the disciples came and then they asked for, for further information about this uh, other briefing was on the Mount of Olivet, which you find in the Gospel of Matthew. So, but today what I want to do is I want to kind of try and wrap this up in the next uh, show or two is, um, you know, where this is headed and, and what lies on the horizon for uh, as us as, as Christians and what's on the, uh, the table, prophetically speaking, uh, events that, that are, you know, ready to come. So what we want to do is if you have your Bible, your textbook, um, and, and speaking of textbooks, uh, anytime you have a textbook, usually the answers are in the back. And the last book uh, in the Bible is Revelation, and that's where you'll find a lot of, of the answers. It kind of wraps everything up, and it's actually the only book in the Bible that I know of that says that there's a blessing just for reading and hearing the words of this prophecy. So if the Bible is 30% prophecy and, and you're not studying prophecy, then you, you're, that's an awful lot of your Bible that you're missing. So that's our, our heart here at uh, Prophecy Train is, is we just want to help uh, immerse you into the Word of God and help give you a, a good baseline understanding, but there's no substitute for doing your own research and your own Bible study. Uh, be, a, be a Berean of Acts 17:11 and just open up the Word, get into it, and, and start to study it for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. Into the book of... Uh, 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul wrote two epistles to the Thessalonians. They were in a church, and he had taught them at this church about what uh, you might hear if you've heard of the, uh, uh, the Left Behind series by uh, Tim LaHaye. Very popular uh, series, of, and they've made into movies and stuff, and, and it's called uh, you'll you'll hear uh, Christians they speak of rapture. Now that comes from the uh, Latin for rapturo, and uh, but the the Greek is harpazo, and and that's what uh, Paul is speaking of. The two primary letters that he wrote, First and Second Thessalonians, basically address this issue of the rapture or the harpazo. And uh, so what I want to do is is show you and highlight here that. Uh, at the prophecy train, we like to use um, Bible prophecy not as a gloom and doom, uh, you know, prophets of doom. No, what we want to do is we want to encourage you through Bible prophecy and, and show just like what the Apostle Paul did was even though that these things were coming and, and like birth pangs, the, the, the Bible talks about over and over, but it, once once the child is born, then there is joy. And so what we want to do is look at First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're just going to read, and this is about being comforted about Christ's uh, coming. Now, for every um, scripture that you had on Christ's first coming, I've heard 
from uh, very good scholars that there are about seven prophecies that relate to his second coming. And there was lots of prophecies, 300 and something prophecies in over 60 different categories that related to his first coming. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, we have right here, we have um, in verse 13, it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, th that's the heartbeat there of, of somebody who's teaching his church and, and the Apostle Paul planted them. He was there for a couple of weeks, and this was one of the few things he was talking about, was the snatching away of the, the church. And, and it, I agree. The first couple of times you hear about this, it's like the most bizarre uh, teaching in Scripture. What it does is um, there's consistency through Scripture, which teaches that those who please God, God will take them out and spare them the judgment. And, and that you'll see that in Elijah. Enoch walked with God, and, and, he, and his testimony was that he pleased God, and God took him unto himself. Enoch never saw death. And there's also another generation that will be around when this happens. There are different views and opinions about the timing of this event, but the event is certain. So what we want to do is, um, the Apostle Paul is talking about not being ignorant. So we have right here, he says, concerning those who have fallen asleep, that's who those sleep in Christ who have died in the faith, says, lest your sorrow is others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, and by the word of the Lord, that, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, so there's a second coming, and will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the voice of a trumpet. And, the, and God... And the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. Now, that's where that word harpazo comes in. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And it says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And he says to comfort one another with these words. Because there are some things on the prophetic horizon and on the timeline that talk about Armageddon, which I'm sure most people have heard. Uh, there's a, a huge uh, battle that the Bible describes in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Ed and I have uh, been doing a teaching on that. If you're interested in that, um, we haven't finished that yet, but that'll be wrapping up shortly. You can get in touch with us and, and acquire these teachings. And if you're part of a church and you'd like to have uh, Ed or myself or some other members of the team uh, come out and, and teach either a small group or the church in general, we'd be happy to do that. You can just get in touch with us through our website. We'll make ourselves available for that. And, and, and our heartbeat is, is that the, the body of Christ, just like Paul says here, is to be comforted in this. And so we want you to, to understand that, that we are looking to bring that, that, that comfort and that edification to the body of Christ by building them up. And so there's an understanding of end time events and, and things that we have coming on the prophetic horizon. That's our, our mission here. But in the second epistle of um, uh, Thessalonians, we have in, in chapter 2, it, it discusses um, 
concerning the coming of the, of the Lord. And, and Paul, what he's doing here is, is he's making, he's had to write a second epistle because people were teaching uh, that the rapture had already happened, that the, the, the Christ had already come. And, and deception was already creeping into the church at that time. And so Paul was clarifying what was uh, his, his teaching, very clear teaching. And so in, in chapter 2, we're, we're looking at the, it's called the great apostasy or the great falling away of the church. That's a very, very key sign for the end times. And, and we see it, and for those who follow, uh, you know, doctrine and Bible prophecy uh, closely, there are certain things that we're looking for. And so what we have is here in chapter 2, um, the Apostle Paul clearing, clearing up this question. He says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering, that's the rapture, Together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. And it says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now, one of the things we see um, as, as uh, Bible students and, and we're, we're, we watch these, these great uh, movements and, and there's very large churches being made, um, other moves of ecumenical type of movements. And a lot of these things, there's nothing wrong with them in of themselves. However, when the gospel is compromised in that, and the message of the cross, repentance and sin, when that is not brought in and that is sacrificed at the altar of oneness, uh, then we have a problem because the, the scriptures teach, and even the Lord said, one of the most troubling uh, verses for me in my spirit is in uh, John, the gospel of John, uh, the Lord himself, when he was discussing with his disciples, he said, you know, when the son of man returns, he goes, will I find faith? Now, uh, that kind of troubles me, but what we see is we have major bishops and major denominations calling, um, you know, for the entire church to just say, well, why don't we just call God Allah? I mean, that's a beautiful name. I'm just paraphrasing what the man said, but he's a bishop of an entire country, and he's saying, well, why don't we just call Allah God? I mean, it's, it's a sentiment, or it's another name for God is what he's trying to convey to his, his uh, followers. But the Koran teaches different from our book, even though both religions, uh, even Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam all uh, believe in Abraham. They're all descendants from, from Abraham. Now, we don't have a lot of time to get into all of that. But what we want to do is we just want to show that there's this going to, go, going to be this great falling away. And, and the thing that gets compromised is, is the deity of the Christ, the gospel, um, and, and the Bible in general. Just saying, well, it's just another holy book. And when these things happen, then we have a problem. This are the things that we call the great falling away from the faith. So 
that's what Paul was saying. He said the, the, the rapture or the coming of the second coming of Christ to gather his church won't happen until the great falling away comes first. Now, what we want to do at this time is we're just going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back for the rest of this teaching. Welcome back. I'm glad you stayed with us here. Uh, we're still in Second uh, Thessalonians, and we're going through and just seeing what the Apostle Paul had to say about this very important teaching on what's called the rapture of the church. It's the gathering of Christ, of the believers, and, and more importantly, it, it discusses those who are looking forward to his appearing. It's The Bible teaches that um, those who eagerly look for his second appearing, you know, when the apostles were standing around after the ascension of Christ, okay, there was, they were standing around, and then Jesus was received up in their sight, and, and the disciples and the people that were there, they were just gazing up into the sky. And then the angels said, this same Jesus you saw, you know, that left, he goes, why are you gazing? He goes, you know, get going, you know, get about the work of, of preaching and teaching and spreading the gospel, the good news. And he says, in like manner, the Lord will return. When he was received up into a cloud and this is the same way that he's described as coming on the clouds of heaven when he comes back. That's right. He's going to come back. I know it sounds crazy. Some people think it's, it's out there. But if you're a Christian, you go to a church, and your uh, church doesn't teach this, then, then they're not teaching you the whole Bible. You need to open up the Bible, read it for yourself, Lots of people go into church every Sunday and they're listening to somebody preaching. Now, you need to be mindful that if your pastor or your teacher isn't hearing from God, then neither are you. So you need to get into the word yourself because God isn't going to allow you to say, well, gee, you know, I didn't get taught and, you know, nobody was teaching me. I know it sounds a little out there, but you're going to have to be responsible for this yourself. So we encourage you to go ahead and open up your Bible yourself. Now, moving down into um, verse 3, the second half of verse 3, and, it, and after that coming, that, that falling away, it says, And then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, this whole segment right here that Apostle Paul is talking about, that timing again, he said there's going to be, you know, the rapture's not going to happen until there's that great falling away. Then the man of sin, that would be uh, what most scholars would call the Antichrist. This is when the Antichrist is going to be revealed at that time. And so the Apostle Paul is doing that. Now, if you need more information on this, this is just a very basic overlay of Bible prophecy. Um, this man, uh, according to some people, could be waiting in the wings right now. Nobody knows. I don't know. So, but what we need to know is that there are things going on right now that point towards the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have moving down. Uh, he sits in the temple 
uh, and proclaims that he is God. Now, right now, there's no temple in Jerusalem. However, there are movements. Uh, the Sanhedrin has been reestablished. That's the, uh, the Jewish uh, legal system, their high court and everything. So the Sanhedrin, they're the ones who can anoint the most holy, which would be the Messiah. So what's coming is there's got to be in the future, and the Left Behind series kind of talks about some of this if you're interested in seeing some of those things. It gives you an, an overlay, um, but the details, nobody's really that sure. So we have, we're going to see that there's going to be a temple and a movement to rebuild the temple up by where the Dome of the Rock is up there on that 35 acres. There is enough room to build a temple. Many, many scholars and uh, theologians uh, point out. And the Bible also talks about that, you know, in the book of Revelation, it also talks about that the uh, temple, uh, talks about the dimensions of the temple, but it also says that leave the court, for that's given to the Gentiles. So that could be a reference to the uh, the mosques, and, and the uh, there's two mosques up on the Temple Mount right now. But there's movements. Uh, most of the temple articles uh, that were used in temporal sacrifice have been uh, made, uh, priestly garments, uh, finding uh, people who are of the tribe of Levi have been identified, and, you know, schematics for, for a new temple. All they need is something to go forward. I have no idea what kind of an event it would take to allow, but this uh, man of sin, the son of perdition, some of the things that are prophesied about this particular person are that he will come in peaceably. It says he will destroy wonderfully, and he's going he's gonna to mesmerize people with his peace plan, but it says inwardly he honors the God of war. Now, so what? how he does this, there's uh, an interesting teaching I have on the, uh, the uh, president of Iran. He's uh, of a sect of the Shiite Muslims called the Twelvers. Now, what he does is he believes that uh, if he can create enough upheaval, he's waiting for an Islamic Messiah. And interestingly enough, if you want to get in touch with us, we have some teaching materials on this uh, Islamic Messiah. And But this, whoever it ends up being, this person will make peace with Israel. And in Isaiah, that's called a covenant with death. But God says, that won't stand. I am going to disannul that. And, and as we, as we are, are taping right now, there is an actual conference, peace conference, going on between the Palestinians and Israel over, you know, setting up a second uh, state for the Palestinians. And America is trying to push Israel into this position. And... Uh, is for Bible students, we, we see this is, this is a bad uh, move for Israel because what it does is it's going to allow, uh, you know, the Muslims uh, who, who are of a radical element, who they're just, every time that they give land away, they just get closer and closer to lobbing these missiles. And the missile technology is getting better and better too. So moving down, it says... Uh, Paul reminding them, he says, 
Don't, do you not remember when I was still with you? I told you all these things. So this is a clear biblical teaching. And it says, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed, that's the Antichrist, in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will destroy and consume with the breath of his mouth, with the brightness of his coming. So there's another reference over and over and over to the second coming of the Lord. And I actually just heard this week that they said that um, there's a group trying to, trying to uh, uh, categorize anybody who, who believes in a uh, second coming or end times or any of this uh, Bible prophecy stuff as a, as a mental illness. Interesting enough, I thought that was kind of funny. I, but what we want to do is, is we want to use this to bring you in and encouragement. And as this show winds down, I just want to take you over to Romans chapter uh, 10, verses 8 through 12, and just let you know what the Bible has to say in general as far as where does it all go? It's an invitation. God says who he says he is, and he validates that by using what we call prophecy to establish who he says he is. In Isaiah's chapters, you know, 40 through 49, those are the trial of the false gods, and God gives a litmus test himself. He says that it is telling of what's coming and what's been that establishes who he says he is. That's how he validates who he says he is. So here in, in um, Romans chapter 10, it says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now that's where we want to bring you. That's what this is all about. It's, it's to bring you into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he wants to be with you. He wants you to know him. For such the Father looks for is for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So he has right here, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the gospel. That's, a, that's as clear as it gets. And, and what we want you to do is we want to have you invite the Lord into your heart. You see the news, what's going on in the news every day, and Ed, myself, you know, we, we like to use what's going on in the news and comment on that to show you that, yes, Bible prophecy is, it, it validates that, that the scriptures, the Bible is what it says it is. And it's the word of God. And what is it? He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And what he does is he wants you to come into that relationship with him. And it says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no 
distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich upon all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we invite you right now. Say it. Say it in your heart. If you're restraining yourself, that's pride. God resists pride. But he gives grace to the humble. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want to live for you. I want to get to know you better. Help me to live a life well-pleasing unto you. In the name of Jesus. And if you said that, the Lord's coming into your heart by faith. We want you to pick up a Bible, find a good church, and we'll see you next week on the Prophecy Train. God bless. That wraps it up. That's part four of four in our introduction to Bible prophecy, Prophecy 101. A follow-up series to that will be another overview, which will be what's on the table. And we'll be discussing those things in the near future. God bless.